Hi, I'm Paul Johnson. Thanks for listening to the podcast from Life Support. Hi, this is Pastor Paul Johnson, host of Life Support. Last week, we shared part one of a conversation as Tim and Janita Pace shared their story in front of their own church for the first time. This is part two, and moderated by their friend, Pastor Paul Marzon from Crossroads Church in Lakeville, Minnesota. The evening is called Dealing with Depression. I'm Reverend Dr. Paul Marzon, and it's a joy to be here this evening to share this evening with you, and we're going to have a great conversation with Tim and Janita Pace. I was so blessed yesterday because we're doing a sermon series actually on this very thing. We're talking about depression, uh, loneliness, anger, and I've been telling people to come to this tonight. And last uh, yesterday, I gave a quote actually from Janita on the healing names of Jesus. And one of the sections in there that I shared with was the story that she gave about the blessing of a broken heart. And how when your heart is broken, you can then share it with other people. And that was just so touching that when I shared it on Sunday, you could just see hardly a dry eye in the house. <laughs> and it just goes to show that how your, your book and also your ministry has really helped bless so many people. And I think that's why there's such a great turnout tonight. Amen? You know, as part of uh, the conditions of her release from the hospital, Janita was required to go to counseling. And so we started to interview Christian counselors, and we interviewed several of them. Uh, that we that I just thought these uh, they're not a good fit for for different reasons and then finally we we did find this lady who who uh, worked well for us and so we were talking to her in one of our first sessions and and I was telling her how people at church uh, kind of didn't know how to respond to us anymore they didn't know how to how to treat us like 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 uh, uh, it was like all of a sudden we were broken and so people didn't want to like touch us or get close to us because of that. And I said, I just, you know, we need some support. I knew that we ne- we needed somebody else, and and you know, we just lost Pat not not very long ago. And so, she said in that in that meeting that, you know, you guys need to move back to Minnesota. If you go to Minnesota, Janita's parents are there, her family's there. They've only known Janita the way that she has always been, and they're going to treat her the way that she's always the, the way they've always treated her, and it'll help her to find herself again. And in that moment, I don't know if you've had these experiences before when, when, you, when the Holy Spirit just touches your heart and you know that, that, that those are words uh, that are just right on. And I knew that that was absolutely the right advice. So that uh, after, the, after the session, we went home, we called Janita's parents and asked if, if it'd be possible for us if we were to move to Minnesota to stay with them for a while until we could kind of get our feet on the ground. And so, uh, of course, they agreed wholeheartedly. And the very next day, I, I turned in my notice at work. Yeah, so we moved to Minnesota. And I have to say, it was so refreshing to be around people that knew the real me. I mean, I fell into the arms of my parents, my cousins, my brothers, um, people who recognized who I was and that what was happening to me wasn't the actual me. And they advocated for me. They helped me figure out that maybe a dialectical behavior therapy program would be good, which is an outpatient group therapy program. Um, I was trying to get on medications, and it wasn't going well. And so with me as I was trying to sort that out. And so it's kind of like suddenly we had a team of people around me, and those people knew me. They knew the real me, and they knew that this was just a challenge I was going through. And from my perspective, uh, especially for the first year, I, I didn't really uh, see a lot of stability yet in, like, in Janita and the, uh, the depression and that kind of thing. And uh, I'd gotten a job, and so I'd go to work, and then, and then Janita, after a while that, that year, had, had gotten a job. And so she would, go to, um, she would go to counseling, and she would go to work, and then she would come home, and just, just 
living through that normal uh, daily kind of stuff like that was just uh, a lot for her, and she would be exhausted. And we stayed with her folks for about 10 months, and then we bought a house and, and moved out. We thought we're, we're ready to, to be uh, kind of on our own again for a while. But uh, the problem quickly arose that I didn't think that I could, that I could uh, go and leave her at home alone. I just I had this fear that if I, if I leave her alone, what am I going to walk uh, what, a, what am I going to walk back into when I get home? And so every time I'd go get groceries or run errands or do whatever, uh, I was afraid of what I was going to find when I got home. And it turned out that those, uh, that those were not irrational fears. Not long after we moved in uh, to our home, I, uh, I did come home, and uh, Janita was in the garage with the car running. Uh, the, the door was down when I got there, and, and the windows of the car were open, and and... Uh, again, I, I just thought, oh, I don't know what to do about this. I mean, is this like, do we need to go back to the hospital? It felt like this, these huge uh, step back, steps backward. And so I was just, I was terrified and I got more and more scared every day that, that she was, she was going to be successful in, in taking her life. And so uh, not only did I have this fear, but I had this uh, guilt that, um, that if I did leave her alone and she did, and she was successful and I came home and found that, that it was, uh, that it was going to be my fault. And, uh, and the scary times, didn't, they didn't just happen uh, when I was alone when she, or when she was alone. I remember another night when I was, I was sitting in bed reading and, and Janita had gone to take a bath. And we lived alone. We didn't have any kids uh, yet then. And when she went into the bathroom, she locked the door, which she never did. And I heard the, the click and I just thought, uh, you know what's going on I knew something had to be something had to be off and I went and and I was talking to her through the door and she did she didn't sound right and I asked if she would let me in and 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 uh she wouldn't so I, I pried the door open with a screwdriver and and uh she was in the bathtub uh crying and she was clutching this this knife from this big knife that she got out of the kitchen and you know she she was crying while I saw her there crying, I just thought she 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 doesn't want to die, but she doesn't want to live. And 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 then when I tried to take the knife from her, I knew that, that she didn't want to give up the knife, but she didn't want to use the knife to harm herself either. Though she was in this, I I could sense the 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 back and forth that was going on in her mind, and just this this trouble of uh, I don't want to live, but I I don't want to die, and I'm just it, there was just this real intense struggle and that was one of the first times that I that I felt like God gave me a, a like a supernatural empathy I actually could feel what she was feeling at that moment and it gave me so much uh such a heart for her even even more that I just I wanted to help her yeah and it was such a moment when he realized that this is what it was it was a moment in when I wanted I wanted to live I wanted to live but I didn't want to hurt anymore it, it's this tug and pull where you don't want to be in pain anymore and you feel like the only way out is to die, but you don't want to die. And so it's a constant back and forth, back and forth. And there were times when I could handle the pain and I was learning skills and there were times when the pain would get the best of me. And I also know that the enemy was involved in that. I mean, there were times when, when I, I felt like I was not just up against myself, but I was up against more than that. And so it was a moment when... Tim had a deeper understanding of what was happening inside of me, that I, I wanted to live, but I didn't want to live this way. And I continued to feel this, uh, 
immense responsibility to 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 care for her, to protect her, but also to 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 uh, to to save her life. And as a result of that, I could uh, like I really isolated myself. And I knew that that was happening. I knew that I was being isolated from from other people. But I felt trapped. I didn't know I didn't know what else to do because of this responsibility I had to to make sure that that uh, that that she didn't commit suicide. And I, I remember really well having this conversation one night with uh, Janita's mom, Teresa, and, and I was kind of explaining that, that feeling to her, and, and Teresa said, Tim, uh, you know, you, you, you can't be responsible for, for saving her life or keeping her from taking her life. Uh, that, that's, that's too big for you. You, you. you just, you can't do that. And so you have to be able to let yourself go to the grocery store and those things. And, you know, that meant so much to me coming from her because this was a person who I knew loved her and, and cared for her and wanted what was best for her and didn't want her to die. And so it was like having that kind of permission from somebody who, I, who, who was like that in her life was just incredibly freeing for me and 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 it helped me to start to 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 think that I that I could uh um live a life that wasn't so isolated and then Janita also uh was concerned about me she's a she's a wonderful person and having depression didn't make her be less of an amazing person and didn't make her care about me any less and and so uh uh she knew that this that I was having this struggle and that I was having a hard time uh, you know, leaving the house and staying away, and 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 she suggested that I that I see a Christian counselor as well, just for myself. And so I found a counselor, and it really was helpful. You know, it's it's powerful to have a third party person who who also knows the Lord, but but has an outside looking in uh, kind of perspective. And 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 especially if that person is someone who is leading you back to Jesus and reminding you of the good news of the gospel regularly. And so. It really helped me to keep a balance between uh, caring for Janita and caring for myself, and I think that counselor helped me uh, a lot in that. And so, because of the the counselor's advice and and the support of my mother in law, uh, you know, um, I did begin to to go out and, and see friends. I got a gym membership. I joined a basketball league, and and some of those things. And then the counselor also helped me work through guilt. Uh, you know, I, I I had such tremendous guilt for for leaving the ministry and feeling like God called me to do something, and now I I, I feel like I definitely need to to care for my family and care for my wife. But but uh, but wasn't I called into ministry? And what's happening now? And is the is the call gone, or am I leaving God's will? And all of these kind of questions that were that were coming up for me, and the, the counselor was helping me to to see that that for this period of time in my life that I was called to, to care for Janita. Well, I was called to be um, that, that person in, in my family that was doing that. And just because I had stepped away from ministry didn't mean that that was a permanent stepping away from ministry, that, that our story was still being written and that, uh, um, that, I could, that, that there was still hope for me to be, uh, to be back into, into the ministry one day. And I began to, to, to kind of believe that and, and dare to think that, that that might be the case, even though I knew that, that uh, you know, when we would have conversations about it, Janita was like, oh, I do not want to go work for a church again like the last time we know what that happened. So I knew that there was, this was going to be a long road, but, but uh, it was like that was the time when, when I finally felt help uh, or hope that, that there was going to be a, a kind of a, a light at the end of this tunnel or, or, or more chapters to our life that hadn't been written yet. 
Well, and you know, as I went to therapy, as I went to programs, I decided to sign up for everything I could find that had to do with mental health. And so I was going to different support groups. I was going to therapists, and I was gaining skills, and I was getting my medication figured out. And as I got stronger and stronger, um, we began to discuss now what does our next phase of our life look like. And we ended up moving to North Carolina unexpectedly because of um, Tim, because of the economy, Tim lost his job. And so we had to transfer down there. And I thought, well, now what do I do? And, and it was, I started in a new place, so nobody knew my story. Uh, we went to a church, nobody knew my history. And it was refreshing to not be known as the depressed girl, <laughs> you know, to have a, just, I, nobody knew. And I was trying to find a job and I wasn't sure what to do. And there was one university within driving distance that had a master's in counseling. And I told him one night, wouldn't it be crazy if I became a counselor? And, um, but the whole time I was in therapy, I remember telling my therapist, who was not a believer, you know, so many things you're telling me is actually in the Bible. I think I could be a counselor. And he said, well, let's not overdo it. But, (laughs) but I applied to this university and I thought, I'm just going to be transparent. So I wrote out my story And they were only taking 30 people, and they had 150 applicants. And so I thought, well, we'll see. And they said, yes, we think that actually your experience might add something really important to the field. And so I began the journey of becoming a therapist. And it was so refreshing to finally, I I could hear Pat's voice in the back of my head when I went to class. You know, this kind of like sweet, I told you so. And so as I went to school and I got into the school systems, I started as a school counselor. It was really encouraging to meet people because when they told me their stories, I could tell them, yes, I understand exactly what you're talking about. So we uh, moving on to the... Yeah, well, and you ended up in ministry again. I mean, in our move, you mm-hmm. went back to seminary. Yeah, uh, while that was going on with, with Janita, I'd, I'd been working in a, in a factory job. I was like, I just want, when we get to North Carolina, I just want a job that pays the bills and has insurance, uh, really good insurance. And so uh, I, w- I was uh, working midnight to 8 a.m. At, at a factory, but we had gotten involved in this, in this church uh, that was, a, uh, it was really such a, a, a gospel-filled, gospel-drenched place, and, and they were, had been planting other churches, and, and the, the opportunity came up for me to be, become an intern there, and uh, as an intern there, I also had to go back to seminary, uh, and I talked to Janita about it, and finally, she was at a point where she was ready uh, for us to, to, to take those steps, and I think, you know, all of, the, uh, all of that time and distance, but then especially being in a church uh, where the people loved us, where they cared for us, where, where the grace of God was just uh, oozing out of the pores of of all of the people there, uh, then she was like, okay, and and so it was so, so ex- it was so exciting for me to, to to take that job to go to go to seminary and start working on uh, on that degree and 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 just to to see that there are uh, more steps forward. And so that's kind of been our story and our journey, and along the way we have gathered all of the, the, the steps that we've taken and the ways that we've had to work through this in our marriage because obviously depression impacts relationships. And so we wanted to share with you some of the things that we found helpful. And as we were putting this together, we realized these are the things that we wish somebody would have told us back when we first started this journey. So I get to go first? You do. <laughs> well, uh, 
my perspective obviously is the perspective of the of the caregiver or the uh, the person with a loved one who's who is experiencing depression and so uh, so I want to just speak to the people in the room here or, or who are watching that that are in that position or maybe your friends of a person who are who's in that position and so the the first thing that uh, you, you, you maybe know this in, instinctively, but it helps to hear it out loud. Uh, remember, you're not Jesus. You know, you know Jesus. You can lead people to Jesus. You can bring the person that you're caring for to the feet of Jesus, uh, but you're not Jesus. You can't save anyone. You can't be omnipresent. You can't stay at home all the time and not go get groceries because you're so worried about the person that you're caring for. You can't be that person, but you can bring the person that you're caring for to the feet of Jesus in prayer and, and, and by helping, you know, and, and by coming to church or encouraging them in all kinds of different ways. So remember you're not Jesus. And then uh, the next thing I would say is develop a care team. You know, in, in Mark chapter 2, there's this uh, great story that most people who've been in church for a while know it about these four friends who, who carry literally their paralytic friend uh, uh, to Jesus who's teaching in this home and they tear the roof off and they lower him down uh, right at the, at the feet of Jesus. And no, no one of those friends could have done that alone. Uh, they uh, they needed the, the other three to help them to be able to do that. And, and so uh, you can't uh, be one person alone uh, in this journey. You need to, you need to have uh, a, a care team. And, and so I would say uh, a great therapist, a, a great Christian counselor is, is a wonderful way to start, not just for the person you're caring for, but, but probably for you as well. And then, you know, uh, hopefully you're in a church that's already like this, but find a church that understands mental illness. Find a church that, that uh, oozes the gospel, that brings you back again and again uh, to the feet of Jesus. And then, you know, you need to identify uh, in your group of friends, the people that you know, uh, and that includes family as well, uh, who are the safe people. And uh, it, that's going to be a really hard process for you. Uh, you're going to have some really close friends, maybe friends that you've known for a long time that you find uh, in this instance and with this particular uh, thing uh, are not safe anymore uh, for you. And maybe some of, uh, some of the people that aren't safe are, are your family members uh, or some of your family members. And maybe it's your, your church that you find out like we did that, that wasn't a safe place for us then. And, and uh, identifying that and, and keeping uh, really strong boundaries or, or some uh, keeping those, uh, those people at arm's length is an important part of the process. And, and remember, it, that doesn't mean you're pushing them out of your life forever. They're not on some blacklist, you know, uh, but, but this, is a, this is a season, and in this season of life, that those people aren't safe. So you need to find the people that, that are safe. And two of the things that I always looked for was, one, did they point me back to Jesus? Uh, they didn't just give uh, cliche answers to things. They, they would bring me back to, back to Jesus. They would pray with me. Uh, those are the kind of friends that you need to have around you. And then uh, uh, not only did, uh, are they the, the friends that, that bring you back to Jesus, but they're the friends that when you're talking to them, the things that, they, that they're saying, you recognize that, that they're in this for the long haul. That they're, not, that they're not going anywhere. That was one thing that Pat told us over and over again. I'm, I'm not going anywhere. We didn't know that God was going to take her uh, away, but she, she, we, we knew it. She, we, we could see it in her eyes. We knew that she, she was going to be in this uh, uh, for the long haul. And so, uh, 
And then I would also say, as part of the as part of the care team, uh, you yourself need to take care of yourself. And we've already kind of talked about that some, but make sure that that you have people in that friend group that you have. Uh, you know, the kind of friends that you want to help the, the person that you're caring for, but they're also the friends that you need to uh, to help you. And so to have all these kind of varieties of friends, there might be the friends that, that uh, you know are going to be a lot of fun and they're going to take you out and you can, you know, you can go ride go-karts or something together and just forget about things. And then there are those friends that are going to sit on the couch with you and cry and not say anything for the next four hours because uh, they just know that you need somebody to be with you. And you need to have all of those, uh, all of those kind of friends, and and uh, and then I would say that if you're the if if you're a person that maybe you're listening to us right now and and you say you know what I want to be that kind of friend but I've I've already messed up I've already I've already said the wrong thing too many times I already wasn't understanding about uh, about mental illness or depression or, or whatever it may be uh, I just want to encourage you uh, just. Uh, apologize and and say I, I want to now be that kind of friend for you what what do I need to know that would help me be a better friend for you is there a, a book I can read a podcast I can listen to is there advice that you can give me that I can follow so I can be a better a better friend for you it's not too late to be the, that kind of friend for somebody and so uh, have the, have those friends and then and then uh, and draw boundaries, really firm boundaries around those people that that aren't safe. And then once you once you uh, uh, find those friends, and, and I would add to that, know your your. In this case, it was my wife. No, I, I had to get to know my wife's friends, the, the the friends that she had that were just her friends that I didn't really know, uh, and. And I had to get to know her friends. I had to learn their phone numbers. I had to even kind of learn their schedules a little bit to know when I could call them and if they were the kind of person that would come over and, uh, you know, while I would go play basketball or, 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 or do whatever. Uh, I had to get to know them because they're uh, such an important part of helping you care for the people uh, that uh, or the person that you're, that you're trying to care for. So uh, definitely get to, know, uh, get to know your friends. And then I would say... When you when you when you've identified the safe people, uh, you need you need to let your guard down with those people. I, it's it, it and it's a very scary thing to do. To all of a sudden to uh, uh, to be to be open up. You, they need to you need to trust your friends to be the kind of people or or the family that to to be the kind of family that you don't have to clean the house before they come over. You can have dirty laundry in the bathroom floor or whatever, and it's okay. Uh, and and you need to and you need to be able to. to um, to let those walls down. And I would say if you are the friend, uh, if you are that kind of friend, uh, reciprocate that. Uh, you know, uh, it's, it's really hard to be, a, uh, you know, when Janita was going through the darkest part of her depression, and even a lot of this journey, we, I really felt like uh, we, we became friends who were, who were takers, <laughs> You know, we didn't get to give back. And that's a hard place. We don't want to be that kind of person. We don't want to be the kind of friend that never gives back. And so, uh, but, when, but when we had friends that would have us come over and help them with things, or that would, or that would uh, let their guard down as well and, and say, you know what, I've really had a crummy week, and I just, want to, I just want to sit here on the couch with you and, you know, binge watch Friends or something. You know, like, uh, be that kind of friend that uh, reciprocate the transparency or model that transparency, and that makes the person that you're friends with, it makes it so much easier for them uh, to do the same thing. And then I would say, uh, uh, remember that you're not going to do this perfectly. 
Your friends aren't going to do it perfectly. Your church isn't going to do it perfectly. Uh, you know, uh, you're going to mess up from time to time. And you're going to say the wrong thing or you're not, not going to be there. You're going to get selfish and say, you know what? Any other night but tonight, I'm not going to miss this and I'm going to go out and I'm going to do whatever I want. And you're going to, you're going to have those times. And so you need to, first of all, be okay with the fact that that's going to happen. But then be, be the person that, that comes back and, and apologizes quickly. You know, on your best days, you're going to be slow to speak and quick to listen and slow to become angry. Those are your best days. But when the times are really hard and, 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 there's a, and, and depression is one of those journeys that goes on and on and on, uh, you know, those best days might become pretty few and far between. For a while, and so of course we want to be, uh, you know, quick to listen and slow to speak and slow to become angry. But when we we, we don't, we need to apologize. You know, we need to we need to uh, say, you know what, I, I messed up again. And and one of the blessings of that, one of the blessings of saying I messed up and here's how I messed up and I really didn't want to do that, is that the person that you're caring for, the person with depression, is going to be able to say, you know what, they're not perfect a- after all. You know, it, 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 it's like in a way, and you correct me if I'm wrong about this, but I could see it with Janita. Like, like she, uh, it was like, oh, I'm, uh, you know, he's not perfect either, as if she had any, you know, <laughs> uh, you know, uh, delusion that I was perfect. But you know, like whenever I would apologize, it was like, it was like, oh, it's almost like a relief that there's somebody else that's going through something, or somebody else is human. This is Pastor Paul once again, and I want to thank Tim and Janita for their authenticity and for being good friends of this program over the past three years. I also want to thank you for listening. Hey, if you're struggling in any way, especially with your mental health, please get help. And remember that Jesus has promised in Matthew 28:20 that I will be with you even until the end of the age. God is still walking with you at this very moment. I also want to thank our fine sponsors for helping put this program together, Faith Radio at MyFaithRadio.com. I want to thank Five Stone Media. You can see a video version of all of our podcasts there at FiveStoneMedia.com. And if you want to check me out on Twitter, it's at Pastor Paul J. Thank you so much for listening to Life Support. listening to this life support podcast these conversations are available because of listener support you can make a gift now at myfaithradio.com to avoid missing future editions of life support subscribe to the podcast today at itunes or your podcast player and thanks for sharing this audio link with a friend and grow the impact of life support